Now in their second season, Leadership of Belief with more cigar knowledge and more leadership insights. Two great leaders smoking great cigars. Here's our host, Austin and Dice. Grab a drink and jump in with a cut and a light. Welcome to another episode of Leadership of the Leaf. My name's Austin. And I'm Dice. And Mr. Dice, what are you smoking right now? Right now, it's going to be a little different. I am smoking actually a Davidoff or Davidoff, whoever pronounce it, however, Cigarillo, mini Cigarillo, silver. Ooh, a little Cigarillo, huh? Yeah. You know what cigarillos are, right? I do. I do indeed know what cigarillos are. Well, um, then what do you smoke? Well, hold on. Before we get there, I need to know what Hennessy you're pairing that Davidoff <laughs> with. Well, as everyone knows, this Davidoff, because I said it, I am enjoying a VSOP, sir. Neat. Mm. No ice. Neat. Neat. All right. All right. <laughs> I can respect it. I can respect it. I, I figure everyone probably already knew. That's... Uh, yeah, I thought everyone would know. Right, you know, there's different types of Hennessy that you drink, so <laughs> you never know. Well, this is a special one. It's the Year of the Tiger release. Ooh, all right, all right, all right. Uh, I am smoking an Undercrown Shade Cigarillo. Huh. So you do read the show notes. You are smoking a Cigarillo. I am smoking I <laughs> I figured I would join in the fun. <laughs> Oh, and you, sir, always pair very interestingly. What do we got today? Ooh, um, well, I recently went down, back down to Florida, back to my old stomping grounds, and so I had to go visit my friends at the Rollins Distillery. Oh. And they gave me a brand new bottle of their Esprit de Cru Golden Rum. They got a new still, and they actually upped the proof of the rum. So now it's a little bit stronger, stands up a little bit better when you pair it with ice, that sort of stuff. Very nice golden rum flavor, um, kind of fruity caramel notes coming through. Very, very good. That is super awesome. Uh, did they remember you? They did. They did. They actually, I actually sent them a message because I had to try this off air so I could enjoy it by itself. And I sent them a message on, on Instagram. Uh, shout out to Patrick and told them how wonderful the, the, the rum was and all the flavor notes I was getting. And they said spot on and, you know, thanks so much for drinking their stuff. And I was more than happy to drink their alcohol. <laughs> all right. Well, we definitely give, give a shout out for this episode. Mm. It's so good. All right. So dice, what, what is a cigarillo? Cigarillo is a small ass cigar, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cigarillo, more of a, a cheroot. Uh, most people equate it to what Clint Eastwood like, smokes on, chew on. It's a very smaller, yep. less time consuming cigar. Very much so. Uh, you know, you know, James Bond had them like a little cigarette carried in a little silver case, you know. Oh, yeah, um, I remember that. Yeah, uh, but they started out in the early 16th century. The beggars uh, used to pick up discarded cigar butts, shred them up because they're just tobacco, roll them in scraps of paper uh, for smoking, and usually that has how they improvised the first cigarettes. Now, this was in um, Sevilla, or Seville, right? Sevilla? Yeah. Yeah, we'll go with Sevilla. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so these poor man smokes were known as cigarillos, which is Spanish for little cigars. Uh, that adds like a perfect definition to it because essentially what I think of, and I'm pretty sure it's in our notes here, we'll get to it. I'll probably repeat myself. But essentially it's the scraps and stuff left over from anything that's good. It's the same tobacco. It's just smaller right. scrap pieces. So I'm not going to throw them in trash. What can we do with them? Right. Absolutely. Reuse it, recycle it, all the fun stuff. So, yeah, a little translation of Cigarillo is a little cigar, and given Spain's early domination of the cigar market, it's assumed that Cigarillos were a Spanish invention. Um, first recorded mention of a Cigarillo was in the 1830s, but their popularity didn't really catch on until almost a century later. 
Then, rules were enforced to ensure that they were hand-rolled and maintained a specific size and shape ratio. Well, I can definitely understand. Because uh, cigarillo, a lot of these words that we equate with cigars anyway are Spanish, Mexican, uh, Central America, and in nature. So cigarillo, right. meaning little cigar, only makes sense. Uh, the golden age of cigarillos uh, is the influx of the European uh, blockbuster hit of American cinemas in the 1950s. Movies? So, yes. Thank you, Hollywood. Was it Tinseltown? Tinseltown. <laughs> the American cigar smoking public fell in love with this jaunty, quick little smoke featured on screen. They enjoyed the tremendous popularity in Europe, uh, particularly among the working class who smoked one during a lunch break. Their popularity waned in the 1960s through the 80s, though, as it's mostly due to the aggressive American cigarette industry making marketing campaigns, not making campaigns, marketing campaigns. Right, yeah, because, and, and, you know, it was, they're getting somewhat of a bad rap even now because it's hard to distinguish cigarillos from cigarettes. Um, and, you know, they're not allowed to advertise cigarettes anymore in the, in the USA. Um, so it's, you know, they, they kind of cut everything off. So it's a little bit different. But, you know, are cigarillos really that different from cigars? Well, before we get into that, I, I was just noticing the size difference of what we're smoking. You're actually smoking, what is that, probably about three inches? Yeah, roughly Whatever. somewhere in there. It, I'm looking at yours. I can distinctly tell it's it's definitely more of a cigar shape and uh, definitely smaller, like someone shrunk a cigar. But if you look at mine that I'm smoking, mine actually resembles more of a cigarette without the filter. Right. It's all all like cigar leaf, it's tobacco leaf instead of uh, that cigarette paper homogenized crap that they put on cigarettes. So yeah, just looking at the different shapes and sizes, the uh, they classify something as a cigarillo. There's uh, different shapes and sizes there, just like there's different classes and shapes of a uh, regular premium cigar. So your cigarillo yeah. is uh, bigger, more of a, a cheroot size, and mine's right. more of a cigarette shaped size. Yeah, which is okay. fine, no big deal. Still a cigarillo. Still a cigarillo. Still getting that sweet, sweet tobacco. <laughs> uh, but. Cigarillo makers, uh, you know, today create these little smokes often using machines. Machines of many leading brands feature an all tobacco wrapper. However, some of these cigars also contain up to 25% cellulose in their homogenized binder. Although purists often scoff at that binder, right? Because it, you know, isn't yeah. quite tobacco. Uh, yeah. it provides more of an even burn when lit. It's also what makes cigarillos a very cost effective smoke. There's no specifics in the cigar industry for the size and shape, but typical cigarillos are between three and four inches long. They offer a slight taper, not to be confused with torpedoes. This does has a very slight taper, but not hardly anything. It's very difficult to tell. Right, and if I remember when you was cutting yours, it was not the easiest cut because, you know, a cigar guillotine cutter, even a, a punch, you're, you're yeah. not going to get a punch on that. You're not going to really deep V-cut something like that. You take pretty much half the damn cigar away with a deep V-cut. Yeah. Yeah, which is actually what I ended up doing. <laughs> <laughs> and it did. it did. It did. My <laughs> cap is split. It's it's garbage now. But I'm still making it do what it do. But still, it's uh, it like was it. not not the best thing. It's it's uh it's coming undone on me as as you can tell. Yeah, the, uh, normally when you mess up on a cigarillo, the the cap is unforgiving, so you end up getting little tobacco bits in your mouth because again, it's not a long filler. It, majority of it is short filler. Right. So you're gonna get the little, I call it little spittles. Yep. <laughs> uh, I have a question for you. What's well, sir? Can you taste the difference? Yes. Yes, because I, 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 as regular listeners of the show know, I have smoked Underground Shades before. It's one of my favorite brands. Underground is one of my favorite brands. Their Connecticut Shade is super nice. It's a nice, creamy, light smoke. I enjoy the crap out of it. Um, this has pieces of that, but because it's so short, 
uh, and the filler is burning a little bit hotter than it normally would because it's basically chipped up tobacco. Kind of a little bit different profile, but it's still very good. It's just a little bit different of a profile. I, I do know that these little cigarillos, uh, all things compared, are confused to the, the gas station like cigars because of their shape and size. Yeah, a lot like of the sweets. Yeah, they are, a lot of them are like flavored and like strawberry and grape and all mm. that crap. But those, those are 100% homogenized uh, tobacco. They're not just a homogenized binder, it's a homogenized wrapper. Right. And it is uh, definitely, I w I'm going to say, flavored garbage tobacco that's put inside. Uh, I would actually go and say it's flavored trash tobacco. It's the actual, in my opinion, by all means, I think it's the, the scraps that people don't want to use that they're just going to actually throw away. And they were like, whoa, 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 whoa. We can throw a bunch of flavor shit on that and we can roll it up into a white owl or something. So I don't, I don't want to people to confuse black that. Black and Milds are flavored shit tobacco? Uh, I can't say that about Black and Milds. Oh, okay. Black and Milds are pipe tobacco. So mm. it's flavored shit pipe tobacco. <laughs> flavored shit tobacco. Right. Fair enough, fair enough. Continue, sir. My apologies. <laughs> it's, it's, because of you were insulting some people. No, well, I'm probably sure I insult. I fucking love great Swisher sweets. I go, okay, yeah. I understand they make Undercrown. It's okay. Yep. They're they the own. parent company. Yeah, yeah. They own, own Undercrown. Own, they don't make their own. I do apologize for that. I'm pretty sure I'm going to get hate mail now. You so, are. I hope so. <laughs> Blame it. Address all hate mail to Dice. <laughs> Tell them that you want to fight him. It's what he loves. In the streets. <laughs> In the streets. Bike rack. Four o'clock. <laughs> I don't give a fuck about you. Oh, man. Way to get me off target. Okay. Uh, because boy. of the small size. Oh, yes. <laughs> cigarillos offer a perfect quick smoke. In fact, yes. they are used as a after dinner snack in lieu of a dessert. Now. Yeah. I'm going to add my little two cents in there because I, I visit family in England and I actually purchased the Henry Winterman's Cafe, mm. Cafe Creme, how do you want to say cream? Uh, cigarillos. Creme. Okay. However, I don't, I'm, you know me. <laughs> I actually purchased Henry Winterman's Cigarillos and they were phenomenal. They had a slight uh, creme taste to them and it was a perfect I would say after dinner cigar it was great so saying that is one of the top selling brands in the world considering that it's a cigarillo that's sold in the European market uh, a lot of duty free airport shops often feature it um, the United States Swisher Sweets as I was talking about earlier is a long time favorite they're often featured in um, TV westerns and in the big screen as the smoker choice of like the the rough and tough rough kind of guy like the Clint Eastwoods yeah because well, he... it's a perfect it's a perfect cigar right it's flavored so you don't sit there so the, the actor doesn't have to sit there and chew on basically just straight tobacco flavored stuff right it looks like he's already semi smoked a long cigar right if you cut it and you, you kind of do it upright so yeah. it's, a, it's such an easy thing to sit there and just put in their mouth. They could chew it and suck on it. It's got a sweet tip. It's flavored. Hey, great. No big deal. And, and it makes it look like they just had, they're chewing on a big old, you know, like Sin Compromiso or, or, you know, a big old Maduro <laughs> cigar. And that's, they just, that's all they have left of it. It's just that little bit. And they're like, yeah, that's how tough I am. <laughs> all right. You know the truth. It's like, yeah, all right, cool. It's a, it's a Tinseltown trick. Got it. Yeah, Tinseltown. Look at that. Hey. Yeah. Uh, but high high end smoking lounges are embracing these little trophy cigars. Uh, many cigar smokers enjoy the ability to smoke several little treats for the same time it would take to smoke a massive Churchill. Um, I honestly, that's part of the reason I bought cigarillos is because there's so many times where I'm like, man, I just love to go out, smoke a quick cigar or two, and be done and come inside. Uh, it's during the week or something, and I don't have a lot of time. So these offer perfect. So better production from smaller independent cigar makers has been at the forefront of the Cigarillo's popularity in the United States. In Europe, however, it remains the top-selling market with almost 45% of cigars sold in Belgium alone are being are still Cigarillo's. I do remember uh, during my European trip, like 
looking at cigars, not going to an actual like cigar shop. You know how you go to some places and they actually have a section just with cigar stuff. Normally yeah. it's near the cigarettes or whatever. Uh, their selection of cigarillos was phenomenal. Like uh, I was almost walking into a tobacco shop if they shrunk it down because uh, the shelves are lined and full of different tins, different shapes, different colors, uh, name brands. I recognize some I did not. I mean, I, of course, it's like Pokemon. I wanted to catch them all. Hold on. Are you telling me Willy Wonka got in there and shrunk all the cigars <laughs> down? That's exactly what it looked like. You son, <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, if any of our European listeners out there, I would love for someone to like grab a snapshot of, of a section. Please, uh, please. I, I haven't spent enough time in Europe. I want to spend more. But yeah, I, I need to spend more time in Europe. I need to go over there and and do some... Uh, you know what? That's what we should do, Dice. Perfect idea. All right. You and me, traveling leadership of the leaf, cigar show through Europe, where we go to different cigar shops throughout Europe and just make a road tr- road trip out of it. I'm a hundred percent down. Idea. Uh, so dope. That's going to be a little bit of time for you, sir. I hundred percent. Yep, we'll plan it. We got we got a couple of years. Yeah. So we'll get that. We'll definitely get that going. Definitely announce dates. Announce where we. Uh, planning to oh, go. Yeah. Yeah. I know all the cigar lounges there. I do know one, uh, Trevoli Square. Hey, we start I, I, off. I, I always we'll say the name wrong. Sorry. We start off in England, go through the tunnel into France. Right, the Eurostar, my friend. Oh, yeah. I'm down. And then, and then we can just go from there and go around to all the different other countries. I want to hit Belgium and Germany and Italy and Greece. That'd be badass. Uh, let me uh, let me say that differently. It is going to be badass. Not that is badass. Hey. It is going to be badass. How about that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can't wait to tell my wife what I'm going to do and tell her to <laughs> have her say no. Uh, my wife is going to have to go. Oh, I mind this too. We'll leave them behind. <laughs> Family. <laughs> yeah. That would be a road trip. All right. Off topic again. See, I'm doing... I'm just... <laughs> I'm getting everybody off topic. Let's do this. Okay. You know, cigarillos are growing in popularity. <gasps> no way. <laughs> Clutch my pearls. <laughs> I do declare. <laughs> cigarillos have captured a fast growing segment of the cigar smoking population. And that would be the female smokers. I can, under- I can see that. I can understand that. Well, I do. Uh, not that I do know. I have spoke to a few female smokers of cigars, and they prefer the cigarillo. And they're going off script here. They prefer the cigarillo because it doesn't get as that strong, stagnant cigar smoke smell in their hair. Yeah, if yeah, they're outside makes, smoking a cigarillo, that makes sense. There's not as much smoke put out. Well, actually, I, that's not entirely true. There's not as much tobacco, and it's not usually a chimney pipe coming out the end, and it doesn't take as long to smoke. They could smoke one in 10, 20 minutes. And then go, all right, cool, I'm done with this. And they're done. No big deal. Um, but yeah, with, with pop stars like Rihanna and Shakira seeing smoking cigarillos, it's not hard to see why. The advent of flavored cigarillos become quite popular as options as bachelorette parties and weddings offer kind of a sort of his and her option for those who want a lighter flavored smoke with the quality and consistency to continue to improve, carving out more space for certainly these little smokes. Uh, cigarillos will continue to occupy a prominent niche in the cigar market for cigar lovers who are wanting a quick, easy smoke. Just as you described. Which is absolutely the draw of these cigarillos. I love having a cigarillos. I don't get a lot of time during the week to smoke. I have a lot of family duties and other things to contend with. Cigarillos are the perfect way for me to come out and smoke a cigar. You know what I picked? What what I got out of that, that brief... And briefly, just heard. You know what I got out of that? What? 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 Rihanna and Shakira are sisters of the league. Woo! Shakira, Shakira. There's something her about don't. her life. What? Her hips it? don't lie. Ah, yes, her hips. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you but, forgot that one. <laughs> yeah, clearly I did. So, uh, 
Shapiro, Rihanna. I know J Lo is too. She was on the yeah. cover of uh, Cigar Aficionado, was she not? So this was a, we should do a, a female episode. That'd be dope. Okay, get the <laughs> Wanda back. Oh, that'd be badass. That'd be dope. All right, we got top you again. <laughs> so some of the pros for the cigarillos, right? They're smaller cigars, shorter smoke time, smaller ring gauge, so they got a better mouthfeel for some, especially apparently females. Um, and they're typically cheaper, mostly short filler scrap bits, right? You get a tin, T-I-N, of tin, T-E-N, <laughs> for what? 20, 30 bucks? Yeah. Somewhere in there? For a 20 minute smoke time, 20, 25 minute smoke time? Or you can uh, get a little box of 20 mini cigarillos like I did, uh, even shorter smoke time. Uh, Cause I have smoked, I think two, to you the have. point to where you're at now, mm-hmm. but uh, mine's are definitely some cons. Some con- I, I know we don't want any cons. Here's some cons to the cigarillos. Uh, mostly machine made, which uh, some purists don't really typically they like machine made anything. They want everything hand rolled. But could you imagine someone hand rolling this little cigarillo that I'm smoking? You know what? That'd be a I'd be amazed. Like, go for it, bud. You have a, you have some skill. That's a, that that would be a tedious task. I quit. Um, sadly, as you uh, discovered, it can be poor construction. Yeah. Um, the caps aren't as uh, prominent as on a, a normal size cigar. You don't normally have it's a triple cap on a cigarillo. So if it's, you yeah. mess that cut up on the first go round, dead in the water, my friend. Yeah, you kind of got to just suffer through the end and get the spittle and all that other tobacco bits and and that goes to the, the another con of it, the tobacco splits. Uh, because of uh, the short filler and the little scrappity bits, it's possibly that the tobacco splits and the little embers and little pieces causes you to do the little non-pleasant yeah. spittle thing, especially I if you're trying to impress a lady. Like, hey. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're definitely one of those ones where I could see myself kind of like popping it in my mouth and kind of holding it there and just chewing on it and not, big, not a big deal. I will say that these are a little bit less... Um, uh, they're not as humid, like they're not as affected by humidity, right? They're so small, it doesn't matter too terribly much if they get a little underhumidified, um, a little overhumidified. They become really squishy and stuff, so you've got to be careful on that. But it's not, you know, if you were to leave these in a car or whatever, and you just pulled them out and popped one in your mouth, you're probably not going to be like, oh, this is so dry, it's so terrible. Why? Because they're already in short filler anyways, and it's not going to affect anything except for maybe the taste. Which which will come back to life once you uh, pretty much heat up the, the shaft, the tube, the body, whatever you want to call it. Shaft. You like that, didn't you? I like Shakira's hips. <laughs> you don't lie. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So considering we don't, uh, typically a uh, cigarillo don't have a first, second, and final third there, what would be your outtake of uh, that cigar? Cigarillo. That cigarillo. It's got a nutty, creamy flavor, similar to the uh, to the to the big cigar. Um, but I'm getting a little bit more of a bite, a little bit more of a oh, I'll say ammonia, but. Uh, just like a little bit more of a bite, maybe a little bit more of that little pepper that's coming through because it's not as blended as well uh, because it's such short filler all the time and it's getting hot already. Uh, but it's still very, very good. Great cigarillo. Um, I can't, you know, I would say definitely a little mini version as best as they can make in this size of their their bigger full body cigar. Um, definitely a good one. Obviously, I like it. This is my third tin I've ever bought in my life. Uh, normally, I, I need to do better on keeping them in stock, but I don't. <laughs> I don't keep them in stock often. Yeah, I generally try to keep a box or because mine came in a little cardboard box, a box or a tin of cigarillos, just for like when I just need to go. I just need to go out. Like, wife, I had a day going out. Yeah, just, twenty minutes. I, yeah, just give me, just give me twenty minutes. I'll be right back in. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, these are that's that's and that's why I, I that's how I sold it to wife because I was like, look, I can go out there smoke this right before you know bedtime or right before right after I get home from work, not a big deal, and I'm not gonna sit there and stink up the entire house like it's smoked a full cigar. Correct, sir. Correct. Oh, mine. Since you asked ever so nicely, uh, oh, I'm sorry. How is your cigarillo? Your cigarillos. Um, the Davidoff. So, if anybody ever had a Davidoff, uh, they know it has that musty, like hay uh, flavor profile before you light it up. Uh-huh. Well, the cigarillo actually carried that on. The mustiness kind of went away as soon as I lit it. Um, yeah. Once the fire got attached to it, the hay came more of a barnyard. I don't want to say hay, more of a barnyard came through. But it was such a quick smoke that it, uh, if you don't like it, you're done before you realize you don't like it. Because they're, yeah. the, they're the mini version. So they're, they're perfect if you're walking your dog or something like real quick. Uh, I think I smoked mine in about maybe 15 minutes, if that. Yeah, you're done in like 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. What I liked about yours is that you didn't have to cut the cap. You didn't have to sit there and try to do anything. You literally just put it in your mouth, light it up, and you're good to go. I wish uh, that these had that similar aspect. Because if I could just put it in my mouth, light it up, and go, and I don't have to sit there and mess with the cap and trying to cut these tiny little things, I feel like it would be a lot better. Yeah, those, uh, I want to say it was Tattoo, Tatuan. I'm not sure. There's other Tatuaje? ones. I, yeah. The, no, not, I know which ones you're talking about. Not those. Those are, those are normally my Disney ones. Not those. There's another one. I want to say it's pronounced Tattoo. I'll look it up. I'll post a, post it on Instagram. But I want to say they already come pre cut. See, they, that'd be nice. They're about that size, but they're already pre cut. So there's different, nice. there's definitely different ones out there. Uh, find one that you like, go ahead and just keep a pack or two, just uh, hanging around for when you just need that quick little. I gotta get out of here. Yeah, yeah. Um, that being said, dice. Since yes. I'm already, you know, we're, we finished our cigarillos. Yes. Do you have another cigar that you're going to smoke for the leadership topic? I hundred percent have. Because you know we're cigar. not. You know we're not. We're gonna talk just about cigars on leadership of the leaf we're going to talk about leadership and no (laughs) offense you're going to go through like five more cigarillos on this topic so i feel like we need to have a cigar i i 100 agree um i'm going to pick a cigar that i know you have smoked before (gasps) Uh, because i wanted to share my insight because uh we can go back and listen to your insight and compare I am smoking a CAO Pelon Anejo. Pelon Anejo. Oh, that was a good cigar. I like that one. I wish I had two. <laughs> How about you? What is going to be your leadership portion of Leadership of the Week cigar? Oh, well, I decided to smoke something that you have previously smoked. Oh, look at that. What is it? It is the Blackened M81 by CAO. My goodness. Uh, I have mixed feelings about that one. I did enjoy it. No, this is by Drew Estate. Drew Estate. Yeah, Drew Estate. Drew Estate, not CAO. Drew Estate. Yeah, Blackened M81 by Drew Estate. So I want to... You had mixed feelings about it. You weren't sure if you liked it or not. So I am going to smoke this one. I'm going to light it up while we're on break. uh, And then we can talk about it while we're talking about leadership. I don't want to give my insights about it. Um... Right before we go to break, I have a question. Oh, what what is your question, my good sir? During the break, are you yes. going to listen to Metallica as you light that cigar? Ooh, I feel like I kind of have to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll we'll get that reference right after the break. All right. <laughs> All right. Hey, everyone. Um, thanks for listening to Leadership of the Leaf. I'm just uh, letting you know, if you want to see what kind of cigars that myself, Dice, and Austin, what we're smoking on each episode, check out our Instagram on Leadership of the Leaf. All one word. At Leadership of the Leaf. And please 
leave us a comment. Send us a message with what other questions or what you guys are smoking on. Maybe you guys have some suggestions for us that we'd love to give it a shot. At Leadership of the League on Instagram. Check me out, guys, on um, on Instagram at Flavor King uh, with two G's on there. And it's been a pleasure listening to Leadership of the Leaf here with Dyson Austin. All right. Welcome, everyone, from that short little break that we just had. But it was long enough for Austin to listen to a little bit of Metallica. Metallica. And the, <laughs> and the reason why... I said Metallica. Um, yes. W- would you like to share that, Mr. Austin? I, uh, I will share it. So, um, this M81 by Drew Estate Blackened Cigar is actually a collaboration between Drew Estate's founder and president, Jonathan Drew, and Metallica's co-founder, lead singer and guitarist, James Hetfield. And Blackened American Whiskey Master Distiller and Blender... Rob Dietrich. That's perfect. So it's a it's a big collaboration cigar. Huge collaboration cigar. You got Metallica lead singer and guitarist there. You got a blackened whiskey dis- uh, distiller in there, and then you got Jonathan Drew, who is the founder of Drew Estate. So with all three of those designing your cigar, I can't wait to hear more about it. Uh yeah. Well. You've already smoked it, so I'm excited to see what happens with it. Anyways, which you said, so the CAO Pilon Añejo, right? Correct the mundo. I'm excited to hear your thoughts on that one, because yeah, that one one was a good one. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I enjoy CAO cigars. They're good. But, leadership topic. We are going to talk about uh, some humility. Ah. Being humble. Humble. Humbleness. Humility. <laughs> humility is an important but under-discussed value of leadership, in my opinion. Um, uh, a leader who is not humble, you know, usually is almost seen as arrogant, power-driven, um, thirsty for, for, you know, for results that sort of stuff, but humble leaders are usually considered more approachable, forgiving of mistakes, willing to acknowledge others' work, which can motivate employees to share ideas and work harder. Yeah, uh, definitely humility is going to play a big part in that, because humble leaders are consistent and disciplined in their treatment of others. Uh, I know when I was leading a large group, I tried to maintain that. Uh, of course, it's almost a case-by-case basis, but I tried to play the Judge Judy advocate every single time. Uh, they treat everyone with respect regardless of their position, role, or title, understand their limitations, and humble leaders have the confidence to recognize their own weakness. And I so- know I have done that myself. Like, you know what? I am not proficient at that. But I know you are, and we got to get this done. So I'm going to step aside, and I know you've only been here for, what, six months now? Jump yeah. right in and do it, because I know you're better at it than I am. But I'm still learning to get better. Right. And see, and that's such an important thing, because if you're not humble as a leader, one, your employees are going to see that as being disingenuous. Um, and then they're also going to see it as like, man, this guy just wants to control everything for himself. Um, he, you know, I could do that job in five minutes. That took that motherfucker 30 minutes and now we're late on this project or whatever the case happens to be. So as a leader, there's nothing wrong with relying on your team. There's nothing wrong with saying, I'm not, I don't know how to do that. Could you please show me? Or, Hey, you're better at this than me. Can you go ahead and knock that portion out? Well, I knock this other portion out that I'm stronger at. And we can come together and collaborate and listen and I suspect it's a brand new edition and get oh this project God, done. Fucking did it. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh I I felt I was, like that was smooth. That was that, that was like that's silky. I mean <laughs> I'm 
staying on topic. I'm staying. I'm not going down your little road there. I'm staying on topic. So I know we've done a lot of leadership uh, book reading, a lot of leadership learning, a lot of leadership yeah. classes. We have been hit over the head with leadership throughout pretty much our adult life. You oh, and I yeah. Specifically, I'm pretty sure others have too, but I only can speak on us. Uh, humi- humility is not cited as often as uh, some other character traits in leadership literature or training or teaching. But right. many, many of us have either experienced or heard stories of egocentric, arrogant leaders who have soured company culture and driven valuable employees to underperform or even leave. Right. So it's like the, the whole story, right? You get a boss in and it's my way or the highway. Uh, do it this way. I don't care how you did it in the past. I don't care what you know. This is what I want you to do. I don't care that you're stronger in this area. I'm, you know, they'll, they'll play it under the guise of, of empower, you know, Hey, I'm trying to make you better by doing it this way. No. Okay. There's, there's a time and place for that. Sure. But it's, you know, it's not when there's a big project on the line and you're giving the one guy who doesn't know how to do that task, that specific task. Meanwhile, there's like three other motherfuckers over there that could do this task easily and we get the project in on time. Instead, you want to make me look like an asshole and make us late because of me. So it's just one of the, yeah, it just, it can sour a company culture, a, a workplace. The whole tone of the workplace could change. You suddenly stop feeling like you want to come into work. Instead, you just want to stay home, saying, fuck this guy. I know I've done it. Uh, I know you've done it. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's not fun to work for somebody like that. We all hated that person. So don't be that person. Yeah. Uh, encountering those type of individuals uh, as being led by them, sort of speak. I use that loosely. Um, Manage. It, it actually helped uh, educate me more on a leadership aspect. It actually threw the humbleness in my lap, like, I don't want to be like that fucking guy. You right. Know? So I, I pretty much, I wouldn't say I learned from them, but I didn't learn because of what they were teaching. I learned because of what they were not teaching by the way they were not acting appropriately amongst others. I've actually heard someone say, oh, that guy, he's just, uh, he's only been here for six months. I'm not going to talk to him. I'm not even going to say hi to him or, you know, just lack of respect just because he's the, the fucking new guy or sort of, or something of that nature. Like, no, right. I'm, I'll be friend, not be friend, but I'm acknowledge everyone. Yeah. Well, and then there's the, the CEO. Yeah. And then those, uh, there's those leaders that come in and they're, they're in a new position, right? Maybe you worked in marketing for a while and now you're in manufacturing and you got a whole new thing to learn, but you're, you're afraid that they're going to, you know, your employees aren't going to respect you if you act like you don't know what you're talking about and you're afraid to ask. So you're going to sit there and. Well, I'm going to show them. I do know what the hell I'm talking about. You make all these dumb changes. And then by the time you actually figure out what the hell you're actually supposed to do, you end up changing it right back to the way it was before you even showed up. And now you just look like an asshole. Yeah, you totally show uh, uh, discredit yourself. You, you totally yeah. show that you, you're a jackass, sir. Right. So in the business world, um, in the leadership world, the changing climate of everything, globalization, um, different, you know, different whatever, right? The changing climate calls for leaders who can attract and inspire followers, but a big self-confident personality is not always a sign of real leadership. Sometimes a dose of humility is what's needed the most. I can tell you the people that I, I looked up to the most as leaders and the people that I respected the most as leaders are the ones who came in and said, hey, show me how you do things. I want to understand your processes. I want to understand you as a person. Um, show me what you can do. Show me what you're good at and, and teach me something. Cause then I'm like, Hey, you want to know about me? I'm happy to talk about me, but, um, you know, let me, let me show you. Let me, let me teach you some. And those people are like, all right, cool. I got it. Now I understand how, why you do the things you do and let's go forward and see if we can't make it better together. Um, humility is usually one of those things that becomes more important as a leader's responsibility increases, right? So if you're, if you're a frontline supervisor, um, you know, it's, it's a little, it's, you know, important to have humility as you continue up and you're into a middle manager or even an executive or even a CEO or president of a company or something like that. 
Your humility becomes more and more and more important as your responsibility increases. And cultivating that humility as a leader requires when, knowing when to ask for help, using inclusive language when talking about work and accomplishments, and giving the credit to others, right? So yes. I've, I've always been told uh, leaders pass credit around and take blame. Uh, I know we have been, we've worked together where stuff like that has happened and we, I, I passed the credit on or, I, or you passed the credit on or however the credit is giving 100% to the team. But the boss, uh, I know we had a few bosses at a the time. They was like, well, no, nah, I, I get the team did majority of the work, but they succeeded because of you or they succeeded or they were successful because of your leadership. They've actually said that and, you know, you kind of blush a little and like eat a little bit of humble pie and you're like no 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 it was the team but i mean if you're a great leader it, that's how it's going to uh, be perceived anyway yeah you don't you, you don't need to beat your chest and be like i'm the best your actions are going to speak much louder than any kind of words well yeah and absolutely and and it's one of those things you know nobody succeeds in a vacuum right so i don't care who you are somebody has helped you get to where you are and if you forget that then, then you're just a dick. Um, <laughs> and that's just, you know, putting it bluntly. But, you know, humility is imperative. It's an imperative leadership attribute for, like, five reasons. The best five reasons we could come up with. Well, yeah. Uh, it gives you upside as a leader. Admitting that you don't know everything endears you to uh, employees. It endears you to your, your team. It shows you are willing to grow and acquire new skills and knowledge. As I mean, we discussed that earlier. I mean, it's, we're just putting an uh, actual explanation point on that saying uh, because I know I don't know everything. I'm not a carpenter. Show me how you build that table. I'm not a bricklayer. Which goes first, mortar or the brick? I'm not going to walk up there and act like I'm Johnny Know Everything. So humbling. And a lot of times the your worker bees or your team or whatever willing to show you, they're more than happy to show you. They want to show off their skills and their talents. You're the leader. They want to impress you. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, and, and that's one of those things. You know, you come in and you sit there and you try to beat your chest when you don't actually know anything. They're going to find out that you don't know anything and they're just going to be like, ah, that guy's an idiot. But if you come in there and you're like, hey, guys. Here's my background. I used to work in, uh, you know, fish processing, and now I'm working in, you know, cell phone manufacturing. I understand how the pro, like, I understand how leadership works. I understand how all that stuff works, but I want to know how your jobs fit into the overall picture of making this company successful. You know, and they're like, oh, okay, cool. Like, you got some leadership skills. You understand like processing and that that sort of stuff. Let's show you what we do, and let's see if we can't come together and make this a better place to work, right? Right. Number two, it makes you approachable. If you go up to a team and you say, hey, I don't know something, then they're going to find it easier to approach someone when they know they won't be met with arrogance. Not being approachable is re robbing leaders of potentially great ideas or suggestions from their employees. I, how, like, how many times have you, and our listener, or you, Dice, how many times have you sat it back in a meeting where the boss is like, "Hey, I need, I need new ideas. I, we got to make this. We got to turn this around." And you're like, "Nah, man, I, I ain't telling you shit." Because every time I try to tell you how we can do things better, you say, "Nah, that won't work. I've already tried that before, and that won't work." You're like, "Motherfucker, you ain't even tried it here. Like, this is different people, different place, different time. Like, let's give it a shot." Um, so, reason number three that humility is valuable: it instills a sense of mission or purpose. A leader who's willing to give team members credit and work side by side with them to reach common goals inspires other leaders to do the exact same thing. Inspires the leaders on your team that may not be in a leadership type role yet. Correct. Uh, I've actually got asked that question before. Like, uh, hey, Dice, why do they respect you so much? Why do people tend to gravitate towards your leadership? Why? like you get this cult following every now and again and i'm and i said sir uh humbly i say i'm in the trenches with these guys if they're doing a shitty job i'm doing a shitty job if they're sweeping the floor i'm sweeping the floor whatever is going on i can do it i'm yeah. going to do it <laughs> yeah so when I, I ran a shift by myself i sat there and 
my guys knew, hey, Austin, we can't get this task accomplished. Could you help us? And they knew that I would immediately go out there, get my hands dirty, do the task with them, and figure it out. And then I would, I'd be like, all right, cool. We got past this hurdle that you guys had. Y'all need anything else? Nope, we got it from here, boss. All right, high fives all around. Way to figure that out together as a team. I'm gonna go check on another team. Cause I had about, I don't know, seven teams under me. Seven, eight teams under me. I would go down and I'm like, hey, you guys doing all right? Hey man, boss, we can't get this. Hey, have we tried? I'm just thinking outside the box. Have we tried this? Have we tried that? Let me get my hands dirty. Let me give it a shot. And all of my underlings immediately started doing the same thing. It got them out from behind their desks because they saw, oh, the big boss is doing this. Maybe I should try it as well. And I was like, hey, if you guys want to try it, you guys are more than welcome to come out here and give this a shot. I'm just doing this because I know a couple other tricks of the trade, so to speak. And boom, hey, we got it figured out. High fives all around. Let's go try something. Let's go look somewhere else. Make sure nobody else needs help. And those guys literally just loved me. I've, I got, I have since left that, that job. And when I went back down to Florida, every single one of them who knew I was in town came up and said, I'm so sad to see you leave, but I'm so happy for you that you found a better job. Um, and, but you taught me so much. I learned so much from you. Thank you so much for showing me how it is to be a leader. And I was like, I didn't show you, I didn't teach you anything. I just showed you by my actions. If you learn from that, great. It's the same thing with you. I learned from you. I learned by watching you what you did when I worked for you. Hey, you didn't teach me. You didn't come up and be like, all right, hold my pocket. This is how you be a leader. <laughs> like, well, no. I, th I, <laughs> I think I did before. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm teased. But, you know, like, it's, uh, I sat there and I'm like, hey, this is how my leaders taught me. And this is how I'm going to teach you guys. Let's get this thing done. We'll get it. We'll be happier as a team. I, I love it. Thank you for that. I love it. I love it. Uh, real quick, are you in your first third? I am in my first third, sir. I forgot. Oh, man, we're just moving right along. I was loving this. I know, I know, I know. It's a great, it's a great topic. Great topic. Let's talk about the cigars. <laughs> well, I'm so, uh, I was so enamored in the direction we were going. I forgot we even smoked cigarillos. Uh, my first third is this cigar. I 100%. I am loving it. Uh, I'm not sure what you got, but uh, I'm getting a sense of cocoa mixed with leather. And I can absolutely taste the sweetness of the tobacco. Uh, I didn't look at the profile of it. I think it was a Sumatra. I could be wrong on that. But that's the flavor that I'm getting. Okay. Okay. Um, so mine, the wrapper is San Andreas Maduro. The binder is a Connecticut Broadleaf Maduro. And the filler is Nicaragua and Pennsylvania Broadleaf Maduro. Uh, but the first third has been great. Um, I got a little bit of black pepper. Uh, kind of in oak, black pepper, maybe like a little bit of baker's chocolate in there. Uh, it's very good, very good. I, I'd give it like maybe a little bit of medium to medium plus. Maybe I would say medium more than anything. Uh, humility as a leader. What are we on number four? Number four. It makes you a. It makes you naturally empathetic. Leaders who understand the suffering associated with failure can better understand when team members make mistakes. The team naturally becomes willing to push harder and strive for greater things when they know mistakes will be forgiven. Right. So, I mean, as, as a leader, right, you were most likely in your worker's shoes at one point or another, right? Maybe you weren't in their exact shoes or their exact situation, but you you felt you you felt felt the sting of failure you did something wrong and maybe you were forgiven maybe you weren't um but if you're if you're trying to get creativity out of a team or innovation out of a team and you're trying to revamp processes or you know you're trying to make something better if they know that your their mistakes are going to be forgiven then they're going to go okay cool yeah boss got it i know you understand where i'm coming from but it just bugs me that I made a mistake. And I always tell my people, I'm like, cool, you made a mistake. You learned, did you learn something from it? Well, yeah, I learned not to do X, Y, and Z again. Cool. Then it wasn't a mistake. It was a lesson. I 
100 100 percent uh a lot of times i try to empathize with the person like you know what when i was in your shoes i made that same mistake and i bet you now just as you said you will never do that again <laughs> you damn right boss yeah I, I trust me i know because if you do it again then that means you liked it yeah <laughs> yeah I've, I've had that same that same conversation said those same words to to somebody else they're like man i really messed up i'm so sorry and i'm like let me guess are you uh you ever gonna make that mistake again oh i will never make that mistake again i bet you won't because if you do then it means you're dumb and you didn't learn anything from this mistake and i'm going to give you the business yep and then i <laughs> then i get to give you the shit for for doing it twice <laughs> was it measured twice cut once yeah <laughs> i'd be like it's like it's like teaching your you know your kid or something they put their hand on a hot stove like ah that hurts yeah yeah but you want to do that again they're like no i think i'm gonna do it again i liked it like wait what <laughs> uh to this day my kid will still say muffin tin is hot i was like yeah, yeah you damn right <laughs> you did. damn right <laughs> uh so point number five is the value of humility last point it allows you to influence others <gasps> influence yields so much power such great power when team members believe you reflect the trait of humility they're more willing to trust and to follow you in fact in a 2015 study an inverse meaning opposite relationship on how leaders and employees view the leaders abilities with leaders who underrated their abilities often being more rated more effective by their teams, which means that if the leader was like, I'm the best at everything because I got no fucking faults, their team was probably like, this motherfucker sucks ass. <laughs> and they, and then the leaders who were like, I'm not that great at this. I need to work on this. I know I could do better at this. Their team was probably like, this dude is fucking great. And I like the way he smells. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, I'm making up shit, but, but yeah. yeah, it's, if you can influence somebody to do something, you hold power over that person, which is a great, huge amount of responsibility in, in that. Uh, you know, you think of like the president of the United States. He, if he shows humility and, and is, has charisma and people want to follow him, right? He can influence the masses to do something. He can influence the masses to, to get on the bandwagon of whatever agenda he's trying to push. Correct. And that's huge. But a lot of times those presidents, if you pay attention, they are often reelected. They serve two terms. Normally they serve two terms. Right. So underrated as a, as a leadership trait, it's not even funny. But yeah. despite its importance, humility is often one of the most misunderstood traits of leadership. Most people see it as a sign of weakness. Oh, I don't want, they're just not wanting to take credit because they're weak. No, that's not the case. If you're willing to set your ego aside, that takes a huge amount of strength to take yourself out of the picture and to, to fight the natural urge of to take credit for what, what you did and to pass the credit to somebody else. It takes a huge amount of strength. Um, and it takes strength of character to admit when you've made a mistake and the strength of will to ask for help when needed. Yeah, as, as oftentimes you, I know for me, when I have that leader that, that is, I know everything, I'm the best at everything, everyone should follow me because I'm the greatest ever. You know, back in my mind, I want to see him fail. Yeah. I want to see him suck at life. Yep, once. Big, big time once, not just a little something, because the, a lot of times they'll just brush it off as an inconsistency or something. I, I want to see them fall flat on their face in front of everyone. You know, yeah. I want to see that because if anything, that should humble that person up. It should. But I, I work for a boss right now and that dude doesn't have to do this, but he every time he has a meeting, even if all of his questions were answered, he goes around the room to each individual person and says, what's your take on this briefing? What did you get out of this? Do you have anything more to add? Every single person, whether they were running the, the projector or whether they're just flying the wall taking notes, every single person, he wants to know what they got 
and he wants to know something and it is it's made me go man he actually gives a shit and he wants to know what we have to say because he is a person that goes he has no you know no uh misconception saying that i know everything and you don't you can't teach me anything new because he's he's humble enough to go i want to know what you got out of it because maybe you got something different than i did and it's the lowest to the lowest person to the highest person in that room and he's usually the highest person in that room what did you get how did you get something different than what i got do you have a different take do you have anything else to add always and it's i'm so happy to work for a person like that if you remember when we had an interview with Wanda, she actually said that she's like she wants the feedback from the novice smoker. She wants the feedback from the the smoker that's been smoking for over twenty years. She wants yeah. it all because that novice smoker just might bring up something that no one else thought about. Or yeah, or they didn't know something like where a, 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 an experienced smoker is like, man, I'm getting something weird out of this, but no, I can't, I can't do that. My my, you know. I've been smoking for 20 years. I better know what this is. And I can't let anybody know I have weakness. Whereas an honest smoker's like, I don't know anything, but this is what I'm getting out of this. And it seemed weird to me. And she's like, oh, you're right. I didn't notice that. Thank you for the feedback. Why didn't the 20 year guy catch it? Now the 20 year guy looks like a jackass or something like that. Yeah, I got it too. <laughs> the, yeah, yeah. Oh, I got it too. I just, I just didn't want to say anything to make you feel bad. Yeah, shut up. Shut up. That's, that's the point of doing this. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're doing. <laughs> uh, but humility becomes more important, not less important. As a leader's responsibility increases, we've said it before, we're going to say it again because this is so important. The larger your leadership role and the more experience you have in it, the more difficult it is to be authentically, authentically uh, humble. <laughs> you got that. Correct. Um, reading is hard. <laughs> I found that to be uh, true uh, right before I left a company. Because I got so many t-shirts of I've been there, I've done that. I've been there, I've done that. I've been there, I've done that. So it, it's kind of hard to humble up on certain aspects because I've walked in those shoes. I walked in those shoes. I walked in those. All right. I, I'm now leaving the company. I am still humble. Yeah, uh, you know, the like I said, the people I, I looked up to the most is like, hey guys, never stop learning. You are not alone in this. You don't do anything on an island. There's no way you've done everything you've ever gotten in life on an island. And it's one of those things that's kind of stuck with me because if I've, you know, I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt, got it, I understand. But there's still something that could, could trip me up. There's still something that, you know, even if everything went smoothly, it's like, man, this was great, great experience. Really? The team did it all. I didn't do anything. I let them do this, this, they ran it all. And I was just there as a support and as a safety net. They really did everything. And if you do that and you kind of look at it in that way, if you've been there, done that, got the t-shirt, step the fuck back. <laughs> Be the safety the net. <laughs> yeah, let somebody else get the damn t-shirt. Step back. Be the safety net. Step back. Be a fly on the wall. Just sit there. Hey, I'm just here to watch. I'm here to learn. Maybe you guys do something different and I didn't think of it. And that's a great idea of way to do something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's almost essentially like if uh, your co-host was to ask you, how's your final third? That would be an excellent, excellent <laughs> plan. And I feel a valued member of this team. <laughs> Um, this cigar is actually, you know, I, I was a little bit wary of it because most cigars, when they're like, um, you know, when they're made with a celebrity, right? They don't last very long. They're not that great. They're an okay cigar, right? Um, right. this one is actually really good. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. The, the hay is still there. Um, I'm getting a, I'm still getting hay and leather, but I'm getting a chocolate note instead of spice, like a cocoa. And it's, it's bringing out that, that kind of hay and that earthiness and, and that leather. And I'm like, hmm, this is, it's all melding together really, really well. I could tell this was a great 
passion project for these guys. And yeah, this is a really, really good cigar. I, I thoroughly, uh, I had mixed feelings about it, but I did enjoy the cigar. Uh, the flavor profile, uh, there were certain aspects of it. I, I don't think I like enjoyed as much as I had other cigars, but I will right. agree with you. It is a very, very well put together cigar, especially having a, a celebrity name to it. Cause sometimes, you know, celebrities just endorse whatever, like, Oh, you got a cigar, put my name on. Uh, I can definitely tell that that's not the case with that cigar. No, and, and Drew Estate, I mean, Drew, like, don't get me wrong. Drew Estate is a, a great cigar company and I, I like their products, but the way this one is just put together and the flavor profile they gave this one is, is very, very good. It's dark. It's chocolatey. It flows very well. It's not a, here's your first third stop. Here's your second third stop. Here's your last third stop. It's a, let's make this flow. And I can almost kind of tell that there's a musician's aspect to this where, you know, we're going to flow into one, into the next, into the next, and it's going to be a seamless transition. And we're going to do smooth segues the entire way. And, and it's going to be really good. And so we're going to end with asking our co-host, what is your final third like? Oh, my final third, sir. If you remember, I mentioned something about bacon spice. Uh-huh. Well, the bacon spice actually came more to the forefront. It pushed the cedar in the back. And I'm getting a light hay sense at the end. So it's almost like it was a, a pushing towards a full body. But they saw that they didn't want it to be a full cigar. They wanted to keep it medium. So it seemed like they kind of lightened the load a little bit near the end. Hence the reason why I'm getting the hay, which is more of a mellow uh, profile to it. Um, it's, it's well I can tell the, the tobacco is aged, not because the the name Anejo, but I, I can, from the sweetness of the tobacco, I can tell it, it has been aged. Yeah, properly worked. Yeah, there's a there's a nuttiness to this one that is just absolutely de delightful and complements um, complements actually this drink really well. This golden rum is actually pairing very very well because it's it's got notes of toasted marshmallow, caramel. Um, and just kind of that, like that hint of sweetness that's pairing well with the nuttiness, cocoa and hay uh, that of this cigar. And I'm like, I'm loving this pairing. Well, Hennessy pairs well with everything. So I'm not going down that avenue, but I'm glad you thoroughly enjoyed it. I enjoyed smoking this one. Uh, CAO, Cologne, and Nejo. Uh, and I like the name Pallone because Pallone is where they store all the tobacco while they're uh, aging it. So Pallone. Anejo, Anejo is aging. So the, the name fits perfect because I can tell that this tobacco has been aged. Yeah, very good. Very, very good. Um, yeah, so talking about cigarillos in that first segment, cigarillos are great little cigars. Um, they're great quick cigars. If you guys ever haven't ever smoked one, I highly recommend you guys go pick up a, a tin or, or a box, whatever they come in for that, that particular brand, brand that you like. And then being humble as a leader, you know, getting into that leadership segment and just being humble, remembering it's not about you. The only I in team is in the a-hole. I don't know if you've Correct. ever heard that. Like, yeah. the, there's the old, that's the only I in team. And, you know, if you remember that you don't do everything alone, even if you did everything alone, but somebody helped you, boom, you, you put that to the side and, you you give credit where credit is due um you know it makes makes work so much better it makes your workplace so much better it makes your culture that much better um yes it's a lot of work um but you know when the sooner you realize you don't get anywhere in life by yourself the better off you'll be um this circle back which i hate the word circle back right so to bring up the topic of the cigarillo uh just a semi pro tip from my point of view now by all means this isn't uh golden or anything but once you find a cigarillo that you really like like i mean this uh this cigarillo is the bomb it, i don't look at cigarillos as the same as cigars like you want to try every single cigar in the world i want to try that i want to try that i want to try that because there's no bad cigar there's only better cigars right Cigarillos, I look at as a different aspect because that's something you know you you want 
you only have a little bit of time to smoke it. It's only going to last 20, 10 minutes to 20 minutes. You want to go and find that cigarillo you like, buy that cigarillo and just keep a box or two of cigarillos around just for that occasion and make sure you actually, uh, you enjoy and it's a cigarillo you really enjoy because it's, it's not something you want to sit down and try to get out flavor notes or anything. You want that quick little time of something you enjoy. Right, that quick little meditation, that quick little break from the world uh, to just kind of be and and get your mind right and then you can go back to doing whatever you're doing. Just like if you was to decide if your cigar was box-worthy, a five-pack, or a single. Boom. Um, I'm going (laughs) to give this one box-worthy. Box-worthy, ding, ding, ding. I have thoroughly enjoyed this cigar way more than I thought I would. Uh, it's right up my alley, a nutty, um, earthy, leathery. It's, I don't have that hint of, like, I, you guys know, I'm not a huge cedar fan, so I actually didn't get cedar in this hardly at all. Um, I think I've had this one for a couple months now, uh, sitting in my humidor, <laughs> and I have just thoroughly enjoyed the crap out of this cigar. It has been really good. I'll probably end up smoking this one down as far as I can. Um, I would give this one box worthy. What about you? I would definitely say this one is uh, box worthy. It wasn't overpowering. It didn't have... I, actually, I don't think I got really any pepper. If there was any, maybe I confused it. This spice. But I'm, no, I'm going I'm to say I didn't get any pepper with this one. I'm not a huge fan of pepper, so this, this fits my flavor profile actually very well. I don't mind a little cedar, uh, the sweetness of the tobacco, the Sumatra. I know some people don't like that. That's fine, but it wasn't overpowering. It was just enough to hold my attention for this cigar. I would definitely buy a box of these. Perfect. Perfect. I like it. Um, well, until next time, I'm Austin. And I'm going to stay dice. And just remember, great leaders smoke great cigars. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Leadership of the Leaf. The comments and opinions expressed by the host and guests does not reflect the opinions of those that broadcast their show, nor does it reflect any of our affiliates.